shall he grant you? And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then the master answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it faces the king, let my life be given to me, that is my petition, and the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King Asherah said to Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he, who has presumed to do
16 hours. We have this perfectly formed theology that allows us not to have to engage the words of the text. You know, she has said this is now an 11th commandment. Thou shalt be familiar with We need to get unfamiliar with these things so that we can discover them anew, so that they can speak to us throughout time and eternity. So it is with that in mind that I thought about this text, this, this interesting text that actually doesn't talk about God. There, there's no overt uh, reference to God in this text. So as we look at it, you know, I thought about it and I thought, well, where is God? What we do is we're able to find God in the deuterocanonical text, those additional texts, those texts that are not part of uh, the Orthodox, well, my tradition, uh, that text. So I looked in the additional writings and I found some interesting things. So let us talk about uh, Esther today um, and Mordecai from that from, from that land. There are two things that are important to that are constant Jewish theology. First, is that everything that God does, God has a community in mind. When he does an individual, he has a family in mind. He does a family as a plan so on and so on to the nation and to the world. The second thing is, is that memory is important to Jewish theology. God is always telling his people to remember. Remember what I've done to you. Remember where I've watched you. And it's with these things in mind, I want us to just unfold it and to be the spirit in which we approach this text. This text is interesting. We have King Xerxes the first. This is about 100 years after Paul of Jerusalem. Xerxes uh, is king. He has the queen, Vashti. They have a celebration. Everyone is enjoying themselves. He invites Vashti to come in and be with him. You know, they, you know be with him. Just to know her in, in the biblical sense. She refuses. And Xerxes says, we cannot have them. We can't have women being independent. Now, those of you I tend to be my little wife, no, that she, she would she would have been she would have been on the back side of the As a matter of fact, my wife is the reason why I'm here. She's in Indianapolis now. And she uh, she said, I'm gonna buy you some tickets and put you on a plane. You need to go to Boston so that you can be with your people. She knows that I, I displayed things so much to And that's from, from, uh, from Ohio, Midland, Texas, Maryland, Trinity Episcopal Church in St. Bradford. But that's how it is. that we can have it. So he said, I've got to give me another wife, a wife that's going to show, you know, uh, how it makes you be. So he has, he said, your beauty contest. Mordecai, uh, Esther's cousin, said, you just enter to the beauty contest. You're a beautiful woman, you might win, right? No one really knows what this is all about. We have no overt reference to God's willingness or God's providence. This is a text that invites us to discern God in the thin places of our lives. Esther becomes a queen. Five years later, uh, Haman and Mordecai are in conflict. Uh, Haman uh, convinces the king to issue an edict. Why? Because Haman doesn't even know that Esther is Jewish. An edict to kill all of the Jews. His hate is so, so voracious, it overwhelms him so much that he not only wants to kill Mordecai, he wants to kill all of the 
is Jewish. She then sent a messenger to her, to her cousin and said, excuse me, her cousin sent a messenger to her and said, no, there's a problem. Here's a community that is seen as issue. And understand this. Just because you're in the king's power, don't think that it won't happen to you. This is for all of us. It is, it is in the extra-biblical text of the morning where we find the move of God. We're able to see the addition of 13 in chapter 14, 13 to 14, to see the move of God. We have the prayer of Mordecai. Mordecai says, you are the God of the universe. We know, we know that you not only can, but we know that you will. But it is also an Exodus prayer that actually binds all of our reading together. Exodus does something special. Exodus takes action and puts them on her head. She actually was on the back of the text. I'm going to use the word on the side of the But she actually takes dumb and writes it on her face. She's showing outwardly the suffering that is taking place in her. She tells God, God, I did not want to be the queen. I did not ask you to put me in this position. I abhor my place. I do not want this uncircumcised man touching me because we know that the Jews were circumcised, and I do not want to eat this, this unkosher food. I've been suffering with this for five years. Five years. How many of us find ourselves in a place? That may be uncomfortable. It may even be distasteful. And we are trying to discern the movement of God. Where are you, God? In I think we all can identify with that challenge. And that is the challenge that Esther finds herself in. She says something at the end of 14 of the sea edition that is very important. She says, I'm going to go and talk to the king. I don't know what's going to happen. I ask him to give me eloquence of speech and to take the fear out of my heart. You know, suffering does something very important to us as humans. Emmanuel Kant said that suffering is the single unique human experience that results in virtue. I believe Paul put it like this. That we rejoice in our suffering because suffering brings patience and patience perseverance and perseverance power and character promises that we will not be offended. And character hope and hope promises that we will not be disappointed because through it the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts. It is the love that I receive here at the Church, a community loving someone. We don't know what love does for us. We don't know how we can transform someone's life. And that's what I've received here, and that's what my wife is coming back to. <laughs> I know that this is a tough act, but I'm talking about suffering. No one wants to suffer. We don't want to suffer, and we don't want our children to suffer. We don't even want to use their words in love of But it is simple to our Christian theology. It is how we are able to truly discern the presence of God in 
to know that God really comes to us as Emmanuel, the God with us in the boat. He too is getting wet. He too hears the thunder. He too sees the light. He too is tossed to and fro. Yet he is with us. And it is in this that Esther's heart is in church. For in chapter 4 she says, If I must go and perish, I will perish. Because what has happened to me has transformed me, it has encouraged me, it has strengthened me, and yet it has even wiped the fear from my heart. I had the opportunity last night to speak with a woman from Long Island, Jackson from Long Island. We were talking at the hotel, and Daniel was smoking a cigarette, and I was just sitting there talking. She, she told me about the 50 operations that she had on her leg. She told me about the numerous losses that she had. And she talked about the ministry that she founded at her church to people who were hurting and had experienced loss. Yes, yes, there is a role for suffering in our lives as the people of God. Because through it, we learn that not only can hear, but we know that he, we are able to look back and see what God has done. We're able to trust him in the future. It is in verse 4 that I want to leave you with something that I think is the most powerful thing about this text. In verse 4, when Mordecai is responding to Esther, Esther saying, I can't go to the king. The king has to be called. He says something. He says, Maybe it is for this time, for such a time as this, that you have been put into that position. And then he says a very interesting phrase that translates in English, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows all the time? Who knows me? Whatever. It doesn't matter. But in this time, it means something more powerful. Who knows that his invitation is mystery? Who knows that he will launch out into the deep? Who knows that he knows that God has brought him? If anyone in, there, if in your life ever had something done to you that only God could do, and you know that no human being could have done that's real. That's real. That God goes to business taxes, Get the hall farmer's grandson and just give them an opportunity to send me to fight the other back. Because I'm fighting them hard, bro. <laughs> you get out of here today. I show up and they do their southern Baptist thing and I say, but if we really believe this book, and if you are really back, because I'm challenging them saying, you southern Baptist aren't even back. You don't believe in soul freedom, Bible freedom, church freedom, or freedom flow from or of religion. You're pushing back against your own tradition. So they fight me, they feel you can fight me back to me. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows in your time of suffering? Who knows? Who knows that I can really take a chance on God? But who knows there's another side? Who knows that it's invitation to God? To meet God? in that nation, and to give us an opportunity to watch God do in us, to us, through us, 
down three weekends, um, Saturday from 10 to 2, snacks and stuff provided. October 14th, 23rd, and 28th. And if you can come at any of that time, we will, some of it will involve moving dumb. <laughs> Thank you. 